This is the Paul Bunyan Country Outdoors podcast, sponsored by Visit Bemidji. Paul Bunyan Country Outdoors covers the lakes, woods, trails, wildlife, and anything else going on outdoors in Paul Bunyan's playground. I'm Chuck Hassey of Leisure Outdoor Adventures, and you're listening to Paul Bunyan Country. We are headed into opening deer hunting weekend, so of course we have to talk about fishing, because we have a man who not only doesn't hunt, proudly, proudly goes against all the northern Minnesota grain and fishes and fishes and fishes some more on opening deer hunting weekend. It is the one and the only Jason Durham. Why, Kev, why wouldn't you fish? The lakes are still open. Yeah. Some of the bait shops still have some of those big fall minnows that we love to use. You know, when we get into even September, October, people love to use big minnows to catch walleyes and smallmouth and largemouth and pike and everything. And everybody's going to the woods. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Not any meat. What in the world? <laughs> Nobody... That not everybody sees the world as clearly as you do, Jason, I think is what it comes down to. <laughs> Here's the funny thing, too. I used to hunt when I was a kid. Uh-huh. But I can go out in the boat. I cannot get a bite all day long, and I would be excited to go back the next day. You put me in a deer stand for 15 minutes, <laughs> and I'm ready to leave. <laughs> and I'm about one of the most patient people you'll ever meet. Well, you're a kindergarten teacher, so you ought to be, yeah, right? Yeah, <laughs> it, it comes with the territory. <laughs> Bless my parents for passing on that wonderful attribute. But I just, I don't know. The, the water grounds me. It's where I find solace. It's where um, I go when I want to relax. And that's relaxing to me. But I also would never discredit anybody for hunting because, you know, it's part of our heritage. It's part of tradition. And there's so much that goes behind it with or into it in terms of family and and the whole tradition of hunting. I I love that. I love it. And that's not to say that I don't go to deer camp because I do. I stop at lots of deer camp. You know how good the food is at deer camp? Food at deer camp is really good. Yes. Unbelievable. So I will be checking in with the hunters for sure at the end of the day when I'm as cold as they are and the pot of chili is on the stove. Well, I got to tell you, Jason, I I come from the same way you do. I'm in the outside looking in. Uh, My family was not really a hunting family. They were much more of a fishing family. So I've done a lot more fishing over the years and I love fishing. Never really got into hunting. But I do think, uh, particularly if it was during archery season when it's, you know, the colors are still out and the weather is warmer, uh, there is something about the solitude of the woods that, that's pretty cool too. But, uh, but yeah, I'd rather be in a boat when it's quiet than a uh, deer stand when it's quiet. That's, that's just my personal opinion too. Well, I will tell you, I did grow up hunting. Yeah. And that was our tradition. But when I was young, the, the deer herd up here was so small. The hunting was so poor that if you even saw a deer, any deer during the season, that was almost like you harvested one. Yeah. I mean, it was, it was big news. And, and it, you just didn't see a lot of return on the time that you put in. So my dad and I started the tradition of hunting, or sorry, fishing on the opening of deer season years ago. And, and we love that tradition. And, and honestly, I don't know if we'll get to do that this year or not. Uh, just for several factors, but I'm hoping to. But as we do this interview, I'm actually standing at a public access. Oh, really? I am. I, in, in fact, my, my buddy who you've interviewed many times, Jeremy Anderson Jones, Jones. Uh, that he's, come, he's coming by, and uh, us two teachers are 
out of school for the day. There's not much daylight, but we're going to see what we can uh, put on board in a couple hours. Okay. Well, one of the great things about fishing on opening hunting weekend is the lake is all yours. That's a fact. No, it's no longer a fact. It what? used to be a it used to be a fact. But there's there's a few things that that have bearing on that. Uh, one is how nice it is for the weekend. Mm-hmm. If we have if we have really uh, warm temperatures, people will go out in the woods for a while and they'll gravitate towards the lake in the afternoon and then they'll go back in the woods. Uh, musky anglers, there's more musky anglers fishing late into the fall than ever. And, and even people just chasing walleyes, chasing uh, bass, pike, crappies, panfish. Man, the fishing is really, really great right now. People just get sidetracked with the whole hunting part of it. So if it's nice, there's going to be people on the lakes. Uh, one of the other factors is if anybody harvests their deer right away. There's a lot of people that they set out like, I'm going to shoot the first one that I see because then it's going to free up my weekend to fish. Uh, but, <laughs> you know, reading some of these reports from the DNR about, uh, you know, what the deer hunting is predicted to be like up north is that it might be a little bit uh, slow. Mm. And in that case, it's going to keep the lakes clear because people are going to want to spend that time in the woods to get the best return on the money they spent for that deer license. So is it going to be worth it to be on the lakes this weekend? How's the fishing been Um, lately? Well, that's a really good question. Hmm. Uh, The the fishing's been good, and it, it sort of depends on what you're chasing. One thing I'm a little concerned about is how rapidly our water temperatures have declined. You know, we, we had really, really warm temperatures just a few weeks ago, and our water temps overall were up in the 50s, and they have dropped dramatically. I mean, I'm, I'm driving past lakes going to school each morning and seeing steam coming off of them because there's such a discrepancy in the air temperature and the water temperature. And we've even got, you know, plenty of small ponds that are freezing over, even back bays, shallow back bays on lakes that are starting to ice up. Uh, the Fishhook River right in the middle of Park Rapids has ice on it. So we are not far off. And you get to a certain point in the fall where that water almost becomes thick. I mean, that's what it kind of feels like when you're out there. Um, and, and the fish, they're just in a transition where they aren't as active as maybe they are in late October or mid-October. Um, and we're going to find out tonight if we're at that point or not. But it, it varies from lake to lake, too. Uh, these deep lakes... Uh, I'm standing on the shore of Big Sand right now. That's where Jeremy and I are going to fish tonight. And this lake gets well over 100 feet deep. So for this lake to freeze over, mm-hmm. it's going to take a while. Yeah. But you, you take one of our other small ponds that maybe only gets 15 feet deep, that water temperature will change a lot more rapidly overall as a, as a system as a whole. And, um, you know, the, those fish are going to behave in very different ways. Well, it's been an odd fall. I mean, we had a very, very, very warm September into October, and then, boom, it decided to get cold. Um, so how has that affected things? Well, like I say, it just drops water temperature so quickly. Mm-hmm. And, you know, fish being cold-blooded, they don't like rapid, rapid change. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, it, it puts them in a funk for at least a little while until they uh, kind of acclimate. But you, you said that, We've had such a strange fall. Is there normal anymore? No. There is no, no normal. <laughs> we, have, we have one year where, you know, we might have the earliest ice that we've ever seen, and people are ice fishing 
you know, earlier than they've ever walked out on the lakes. And then the next year we're fishing in boats into December. And the same can be said for the spring thaw, that there is no normal of, of what you can kind of set your calendar to. Uh, you know, we usually plan to walk out on some of our small lakes on Black Friday. And this year, uh, you know, we'll probably have a chance of that at some of the small bodies of water. But, uh, you know, big lakes, that's going to take a little bit. Red Lake, boy, that's shaping up to be uh, a good early bite. Mm -hmm. And I, I could see a lot of anglers from around the state gravitating up there. And I would predict that red is probably going to be busier than it's ever been. Well, you, you, but for good reason. Yes. What an incredible fishery. Oh, my gosh. It's been, it's been an unreal year. Absolutely unreal year up there, for sure. How blessed. How blessed are we that we live so close that we're not driving six or seven or eight hours to get to Upper Red Lake. Oh, right. It's just right, right in our back door. Yeah. You know, and, 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 you know, to extrapolate on that a little bit, I mean, even if we wanted to be exotic and go up to Lake of the Woods or Rainy, what's yeah. that, another hour top? So what are you talking, hour and a half to two hours to get up there? It's unbelievable. Right. It, is, it is not out of the question for even me, who's, you know, almost an hour south of Bemidji, to make a, a just a day run up to Lake of the Woods or up to Red Lake. We do that all the time. Rainy Lake. I, Rainy is one of those that I think is uh, – I don't want to say an underutilized resource, but I think I think it falls in the shadows of Upper Red and Lake of the Woods so often. But Rainy Lake is an incredible fishery, and I think you're going to see more and more anglers start to go up to Rainy Lake, uh, just like they do on these small lakes. That they start to explore some of these little bodies of water where there's not as much traffic and pressure. And Rainy Lake is one of those destinations where you can definitely get away from the crowd because of its massive size and. Like I say, there's so many accommodations and everything on Lake of the Woods that people just automatically go, that's where we should go. Yeah. And, and I, th I think what's cool about it, it is, it is truly remote. If you're, you know, if you're looking to get away and you want that uh, wilderness feel with Voyagers National Park, uh, yeah, it's pretty wilderness up there. And, and that might yeah. scare off some people, but, you know, they got nice warm sleeping bags now, so no biggie. Yeah. <laughs> and you might not be able to... Check your social media accounts yeah. when you're out on the ice. Well, you know you might not be able to make a phone call, which does add a certain level of, of safety that you have to think about and just plan for and always have a backup plan. But I do that even when I'm out on the small lakes here. You can get yourself in a bad situation and, you know, just always have a backup plan. Right, right. You well, know, I'll give you, I'll, give you, I'll give you one of the best things, you know, okay. with ice fishing on the horizon. One of the best things that I carry in my vehicle and that is just some type of uh, like like lock de-icer or mm -hmm. something, uh, windshield de-icer, something like that that can, can melt ice with isopropyl alcohol, even carrying a bottle of isopropyl alcohol. You might have water slush on the ice that freezes up a wheel, and it's a mess. When you, <laughs> your yeah. wheel on your truck doesn't turn, and you can use that to actually free it up. But you'll use it for other things, too, and you'll find out that, boy, it is a handy item to have with you. Okay. Yeah, that, you know, that's very cool. That's very true. Um, so let's, over, let's take a look back on the entire season. What kind of grade as a teacher are you given the Park Rapids area fishing scene? We have to grade it? Wait, what are we, what are we, wait, wait, wait a second. Okay. <laughs> We're, what scale are we using? 
Um, fishing success, fishing action. Um, I feel like I need a, I feel like I need a rubric to lay this off. <laughs> well, here's what I'll tell you. I, I thought it was a great year here in Park Rapids. Um, like I say, there is no normal anymore, and I, it's always interesting to me each year seeing how uh, the lakes change and just the the uh, behavior of the fish differs from year to year. And this year, one thing that we noticed is that the fish stayed on the weed lines and in the weeds for an incredibly long period of time. I mean, it was really the entire open water season. Now, granted, there's always going to be some fish in the weeds, but this was as kind of a whole. Like, you didn't get as many fish out on main lake structure, main lake humps, things like that, or in deep water, which isn't a bad thing because then you're not dealing with any, any type of barrel trauma issues. Uh, but it also puts them in that littoral acreage that a lot of anglers fish. Uh, so it, it makes them a little bit more susceptible to harvest. Uh, but I, I don't feel like, you know, people are coming here and keeping limits and limits and limits of fish. And though it may happen, I think as people and, and just like, uh, what would I say, observers, Mm-hmm. Observers like to assume a lot. Mm-hmm. That they see a they see they see a boat out on their lake every day, and they're in the same spot every day. They think, oh, they're they're catching fish there, and they're catching limit after limit of fish, and they're keeping them and they're taking them home. It could be that that person just really likes that spot. It's the only spot that they've ever caught a fish on the lake. That they come up from Louisiana or California or anywhere, and and they have memories of catching something nice there, and that's the confidence level that they have. So don't yeah. just automatically assume that people are going out and, and you know, <laughs> depleting our resources because you might be so far from the truth. Okay. Well, what would you be, well, what will you be fishing for when you get out on the water these days? Uh, this weekend, whatever wants to eat a <laughs> giant minnow. Okay. Really, that's what it is. I mean, these fish, they will readily take a bait that's half the size of their body, even up to three quarters of the size of their body. They're super aggressive right now because they're, they're feeding up for winter. And not just feeding up for winter, but they're in the process of preparing for reproduction. And you might go, well, that's not until spring. That's so far off. They're not doing that now. If you cut open a fish right now, you will find eggs inside of them. Hmm. They're, they're starting that whole process. So, yeah, they're... they're Aggressive, um, you, to use a seven, eight, nine-inch minnow is not unheard of. But I'll probably sticking with more, be sticking with something more like you know, six or seven inches. But you will be surprised at how small of a fish you will catch on that bait. Okay. So really, I'll take any, anything that wants to eat my hook, I will gladly reel it in. <laughs> I think most anglers probably would do that this time of year, and and, and I think a lot of anglers have come to that point uh, in their philosophy, you know? I mean, we still have the hardcores. Yeah. I'm going to go for muskies. We have a few guys that nothing but bass and a few nothing but walleye, but more and more, I'm finding, uh, Jason, that the anglers just want action, and they're willing to go for walleyes in the morning, you know, when, when they typically bite and switch to bass in the afternoon or whatever, uh, and I love that. I know so few anglers that when they hook a fish, they don't reel it in because it's on their line. So few. Yeah. So few, so few that just don't fight it because they, they think it's small. 
No, I think you're right, though, Kevin, that uh, people have have kind of learned the value of all fish. Like even those, uh, you know, 20-inch pike, you know, not as many people curse them out when, when you catch one. <laughs> no. They're all, they're all valuable. So I'm just watching uh, Jeremy launch the boat. I'm being no help right now as I'm being interviewed <laughs> as he just <laughs> fell in the lake. What? Well, I mean, his drawers are wet, but... <laughs> It'll dry. <laughs> It'll dry. <laughs> It'll dry. It'll buff out. It'll freeze. It'll be okay. <laughs> what, what I think, though, it, you know, the bane of my existence, social media, is also a blessing in the fact that it has opened people's minds and eyes up to all these things we have. I think social media is probably the number one reason why uh, eel pout is now a game fish and one of the more popular fish to catch. That now you know is because people discovered it uh, through social media. Yeah, and I, I wouldn't even just say social media. I would say the internet in general. Yes, yes, agreed. Uh, that you know that has had such a huge impact on on fishing, and not necessarily negative. I mean, there's a lot of positive things that come from it too. We like as human beings, we gravitate towards negativity. That's just the way that we're wired. Um, and yeah, there are a lot of negative people behind a screen or on a keyboard, but boy, there's a lot of positive things too that you can find. And I wish the internet existed when I was a kid because there's so much great fishing information that you can grab. Just think of it. You can, you can take any technique that you could ever imagine go, you know what? I want to learn more about this. And you can instantly just have it. It's right at your fingertips. You can learn about that in a video and see how it's done. You know, even as a kid getting in Fisherman Magazine, which was the holy grail, that you would wait for that one issue that you'd get during the month and you would pour over it numerous times. You'd never throw one away because it was so valuable. You'd read it numerous times. But you still had to imagine what was happening and what to do in your head. Uh, you know, a few illustrations to help out. But being able to actually see somebody do it, boy, it really boosts your confidence and has made people better anglers. It simply has. I 100% agree. I, I love what anglers, uh, passionate outdoors people, um, and, and savvy uh, fishing marketers have done with the Internet. It, there's, there's so many good things uh, out there. And, you know, Jason, I, I think about when I started doing this show. And the type of guides. It took me a long time to find uh, core guides that I could trust to come on the show and answer more than yep or nope, you know? Yeah. yeah. And, and now this new generation of anglers, uh, and, and part of it's growing up with it, so media savvy, so uh, marketing savvy, and it's so much fun to see. Yeah, but it's bad for me now because you and I only get to talk a couple times a year <laughs> instead of you calling me like every other week and going, hey, let's talk fishing. But but that's okay. I just I just miss you more. No, it makes, it makes it better when I, when we get those opportunities to connect. He's making me feel so warm and fuzzy. We got a lot more to cover with Jason Durham next. I'm Jason Durham of Go Fish Guide Service. I'm proud of the efforts my fellow guides and I make to help Kev Jackson sound like he has a clue. This is Paul Bunyan Country. Hi, this is Dick Beardsley, Bemidji Area Fishing Guide. I'd like to invite you to come to our beautiful town of Bemidji 
We've got over 400 lakes in our area teeming with walleye, pike, muskie, bass, and panfish. We're the gateway to the Chippewa National Forest. We've got miles upon miles of biking and hiking trails. Paul Bunyan and Bathe the Blue Ox. Fine shops and eateries in downtown Bemidji. Headwaters of the mighty Mississippi at Itasca State Park. Beautiful resorts, hotels, and bed and breakfasts. Visit Bemidji one step further. I'm Bruce Jean, and this is Paul Bunyan Country. Back with Jason Durham of Go Fish Guide Service. Hey, by the way, um, speaking of uh, you know being being online and, and, and on camera, um, tell us about uh, your discovery that you you posted on Facebook the other day. I posted a discovery. Yes. What did I? Some was it? What was it, mac and cheese ice cream or something? <laughs> I have so many discoveries that the world has yet to find out about. Um, just wait until wait until I start showing off dance moves. I've got dance moves that haven't even been invented. Yet. I believe you. I do believe but, you. Yeah, I, you know, I found I found an interesting ice cream. It was mac and cheese flavored French French ice cream because the French obviously are very into mac and cheese. Yeah. Um, but I I tried it and I was a little disappointed. However, I did have a boy in my class that came up to me and he said, "Mr. Durham, did you like that mac and cheese ice cream?" His 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 parents had shown him the video, and I said, "Well, did you did you watch the video?" And he said, "Yeah." I said, "Well, could you tell by the look on my face?" And he said, "You didn't like it." <laughs> and I said, "No, I didn't." And he said, "Well, I sure would like to try that ice cream." And I said, "Well, funny thing, I actually have it in my mini fridge." in the classroom. I had brought it to school to have another teacher try it out. Okay. And, and so I gave him a spoonful of it. And then every kid in the class wanted it. No, of course he did. So every kid in the class tried it. And I will tell you, from a kindergarten perspective, the majority of kids love mac and cheese ice cream. Okay. Um, you know, there's a lot of stuff I loved in kindergarten I don't like anymore. Like eating crayons or Play-Doh? Uh, well, there's that. Uh, you know, uh, circus peanuts come to mind. <laughs> Peeps, you know. <laughs> oh, God. What about uh, Fun Dip? What's that? Fun Dip. Oh, yeah. Uh, not I, I would tell anymore. you. Yeah, Fun Dip is, uh, is, is my arch nemesis because <laughs> you watch a kindergartner open a Fun Dip. And it is like confetti <laughs> raining everywhere. <laughs> and it just stains everything it touches. Oh, man. Yeah. So um, we're, we're getting into the deeper stages of fall now. We'll, I'm sure you'll fish until the ice is on top, and then you'll fish some more. It's just that you'll be doing a different thing. You'll be bringing an auger out there. Um, For sure. You just love to fish. I mean, you, you don't care, do you? No, I really don't. I, I like all of it. And I, I've already been to the first ice show of the year. I was at the North Metro Ice Show down in Ramsey. And boy, you wouldn't believe the enthusiasm. It, it's just amazing to me how, you know, you kind of live in your own world a little bit. You, you think about, like, everybody does what I do. Everybody has had the same upbringing. And ice fishing was just what we did when I was a kid. That's, you know... As soon as the lake froze, we were out on it. But there's so many people that are just discovering that now, and a lot of people discovering it later in life. And it continues to grow. Every year, it exponentially increases in the number of people who think it's the greatest thing ever. And it's 
somewhat surprising how many people uh, ice fish far more than they open water fish. But if you look at the initial investment of it too, you can get all of the gear to go ice fishing relatively cheap compared to what you would need to get out on a lake and, and explore out in a boat. Sure. That, that's, that's true. Unless, unless of course, you, you want one of those fancy houses. Well, there's that too, but <laughs> it's not just a nice house. You know, no. you can use it as your toy hauler, as your RV camper for the summer. I mean, it's got a, it's a great place to have the kids play. Yeah. Well, I don't know if I'd, I'd buy a you know, $40,000 <laughs> playhouse for the kids. But, no. but, I mean, you can, you can list a lot of different ways to justify buying a wheelhouse. And, of course, you don't have to buy one new. You can buy one new. I actually, I have a wheelhouse. Oh, do I have you? a small one. Okay. I use it for guiding uh, because I do guide on the ice. And, and it's very utilitarian. It doesn't have any furniture in it, no couches. It uh, doesn't have a big flat screen TV or anything like that. Uh, we put stadium chairs inside, and it, it does have up in the V just two burners. I love to cook lunch for the people I take out. Um, but otherwise, we are hardcore concentrating on the fishing, not so much concentrating on watching TV. Okay. Well, how's, uh, how's Jonesy doing over there? Well, he seems to have dried off a little bit. Okay. Is he impatiently he, he waiting for to, you? He's, he seems to be in good spirits. Okay. <laughs> So we both have, uh, you know, big things coming up this weekend, fishing, hunting. He'll be out in the woods, but he already shared with me how he's trying to figure out how to squeeze in some fish. And, and they usually do. Their family usually does uh, find a way to get on the water. Is he looking at his watch? No, we're in the boat right now. Oh, you're in the boat. Okay. All right. We are, we are out on the water. We're, we're scanning, looking with some electronics over... Uh, Oh, one of our favorite spots. So yeah, don't worry. Everything's good. Life is good. All right. Hey, yeah, Jonesy. Getting back. <laughs> Kev says hi. Hey. <laughs> Jones says hey. Hey. Uh, you know, getting back to the ice fishing thing and, and talking about the shows. You know, for people who've never been to an ice show before, boy, take one in. There's so many of them that are going on. There's there's numerous shows that are coming up this next month, and of course, if I could encourage you to go to one. It'd be the St. Paul Ice Show, the holy mm -hmm. grail of ice events. And that's going to be the first weekend in December. And anything you could ever imagine that has to do with ice fishing, you're going to find it there. Okay. Yeah, that, I, that seems to be most people's favorite, really. Well, I mean, there's, there's more vendors there than any, um, just kind of the, the extremes. If you, if you want to get into a $100,000 fish house, uh, I think you can probably do that there. <laughs> okay. and, and if you just want to, you know, see some craziness, uh, there's a little bit of that. But anybody that's affiliated in the industry with ice fishing, they're at that event. So are you there? Just... I, I, I'll, 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 so I will be there. Yeah, okay. I'll be there uh, Saturday and Sunday. I get in late Friday. Uh, I, I like to show up on Friday night in some type of very unique attire and this year will be no different i've had a designer from target working on an outfit for me for a year and it's going to be epic i mean epic uh but then saturday and sunday i'll be on the floor I'll actually be giving a seminar down there on sunday at noon and and i'm going to be talking about a guide approach 
to ice fishing oh. and, and talking about all different species of fish, what to do when they're biting, but more importantly, what to do when the fish aren't biting. Um, and so if you're down there for the St. Paul show, be sure to stop by at the seminar, but otherwise anybody that you see, any person that you've ever seen involved with ice fishing that you go, Oh, I saw them on YouTube or I saw them do a video of this or whatever, approach them. All of those people, all of those individuals, all of those anglers are such kind, outgoing people. They will vomit information to you. <laughs> the, 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 their main goal in life is to help you become a better ice angler. Yeah. Take I, advantage of it. it, it it's amazing. I, I got to say, I mean, uh, uh, 30-some years of doing this show, and all the people I've met and all the people I've talked to, I, I would say, you know, got to be up, upwards of 1,000 over the course of the years. I've met probably two or three that I would say, those people are jerks. I mean, but the rest... Yeah. Uh, whether it's just anglers or guides or people in the industry, they're just awesome people who just love to fish. They're, they're kind of like missionaries or evangelists for fishing. <laughs> I've never thought of myself as an evangelist for fishing, but you're 100% correct. In fact, I'm going to put that on my business card. <laughs> you should. I like that. Fishing. I'm a fishing evangelist. That's right. This is good stuff, Kevin. I'm glad we talked today. <laughs> Me too. Well, listen, I'll let you get to the fishing here in a bit, but we do, of course, have to do the have Fast do Five. Fast Five. I knew this was coming. Let me guess. There's going to be some sports question in there that I have no idea about. Nope. I, I avoided those because I just knew that wasn't that wasn't your ballywick, so... You're always, you're always uh, safe with me if you just gravitate towards food. <laughs> yeah. Is there food? Yeah, there's a food question in here. Oh, good. Yeah. Good. Then I'll yeah. feel like I'm at home. All right. Are you ready? I'm ready. Fast Five, Jason Durham. Fast Five. Who's with me? <laughs> question number one. Just like the famous commercial used to say, got milk? I actually don't drink milk. Really? Uh, however, however, I know being a school teacher, like I should be drinking like a hundred of those little cartons every day. Uh, but I, I do, I do like the byproduct of milk. I eat an incredible amount of cheese, probably an unhealthy <laughs> amount of cheese, cottage cheese, just about anything affiliated that you can make with milk, butter, of course, uh, but just not milk itself. So to me, that's that's like the people who love uh, marinara sauce and pizza sauce and ketchup but hate tomatoes i love eggs i love eggs i hate mayonnaise <laughs> you're a weird dude when it comes to food man thank you thank you at least somebody has recognized that <laughs> and speaking of milk if you if you live up here in northern minnesota it's not milk it's milk yeah milk milk well, I, you know, I'm even, I'm even for the protein. I'm even drinking whole milk these days. So, but well, you, you could, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so I guess there's, you could, Cab, you could drink heavy whipping cream if you want. <laughs> so there's no point in asking if you want, uh, if you prefer white or chocolate, then, because uh, you're not even drinking it. So, white. If I had to, if I was forced yeah. to drink milk, I would say white. Although, as when I was a kid. Ah, yeah. Oh, chocolate, chocolate all the way. Give me some Nestle's Quick in there, and <laughs> then we'll talk. <laughs> Question number two. 
Uh, this is the food one. Uh, it's a backyard barbe- barbecue. You got to choose one. Are you taking a burger or are you taking a brat? Oh, burger all the way. Burger all the way? I don't like brats. Okay. No, you don't even like them. All right. No, I, I, I just don't. I don't I don't know. All right. No. Okay. Well, I'm. You know, I will not tell Michael Stitzworth that you don't like brats. <laughs> <laughs> well... I, I mean, I've had some decent ones, but I would, I would always gravitate towards beef. Okay, so build that burger for me. What's, what's on that? Yes. Ultimate Jason burger. Oh, lettuce, tomatoes, pickles, mustard, and ketchup. Probably a side of some barbecue sauce to put on it too. Mm. All the, did I say onions? Because they belong there. Okay. Fried or unfried? Oh, uh, raw. Oh. See, raw, the, for sure. I'm the exact opposite. It's got to be fried. Have you ever had peanut butter on a burger, Kev? No. No, I have not. You're going to want to try that. <laughs> You're going to want to try that. <laughs> I, and I, surely you have, of course. Of course. Yes. Yes. <laughs> Question number three. Whether it be comic books or movies, is it Marvel or is it DC? I don't. <laughs> I don't even know the difference. I mean, all right. Who, I, 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 who are okay. the superheroes you like? Um, I mean, I, I was never really the Incredible Hulk. Let's go with the Incredible Hulk. Okay, then you're a Marvel guy. We'll throw you in the Marvel camp. Okay. Yeah, I mean, I don't, I don't read many comic books nowadays. No. <laughs> and I, I, I rarely, I rarely watch TV. If I watch TV, I'm watching. Reruns of The Price is Right from the Bob Barker era. <laughs> because it's glorious. <laughs> oh, those were the days. Those were the days. All right. Well, here's another uh, controversial question. Question number four. Who is the better duck, Daffy or Donald? I feel like you've had this question before. Not with you. not for me. Yeah. I know, not for me. Daffy or Donald? I'm going to have to say Daffy. He was just so much more dynamic. Oh, yeah. He did, he did a lot more things. Yeah, he, he, he was, and he was a lot he was a lot funny. He had a much better sense of humor. Neither of them wore pants, did they? No, no. Oh, and Daffy was just, he was a total naked duck. As, he, as a duck yeah, should be. But, yeah, Donald had this weird sailor shirt on all the time. <laughs> and a hat. Yeah, we're gonna go with we're gonna go with Daffy. Any yeah, anybody walks in downtown Bemidji with a sailor shirt on and no pants is gonna get arrested. But Donald was fine. Probably. <laughs> Daffy was fine. Donald, he get kicked out. He get kicked out. That's right. <laughs> All right. Finally, and by the way, you can understand what Daffy's saying too. That's always helpful. True. True. Right. Although I do have to tell you, because I'm with Joe. Interesting yeah. story about his dad. He, his dad delivered mail in the metropolis of Nevis, and he does an incredible Donald Duck impersonation. And I would always, as a kid, run out to the mailbox just hoping that he would do that because it was so entertaining. <laughs> How, is, can Jonesy pull off uh, the Donald impression or not? Not nearly as good as oh. his dad. Well, then I won't make him do it on the show. Don't tell him I said that, though. All right, I, I won't tell him. I won't. All right, uh, here we go. This is uh, for the educated Jason. Question number five. Mm, mm. What What is Jason Durham's favorite book? 
Oh gosh, I actually have a lot of favorites. I, I thought you might. I thought you might. Uh, you know what? There's a great one that if, if no, if, if people haven't read it, that they really should is the Four Agreements. Hmm. I have and not it's, heard it's of. Just a, it's just a great book about life. You can find it on Amazon for not very much. But another one that I love, if you like bass fishing, Sow Belly, the quest for the world record largemouth. It's so entertaining, and it talks about uh, you know these these giant bass out in California. That it, it, this is. Was it 15 years ago, 20 years ago already, that these guys were trying to catch Dottie, this gigantic largemouth that would have beat the world record. But then it talks about people like this individual down south who was trying to grow the world record largemouth on their own. And it talks about the Texas Share Lunker program, how in Texas if you catch a bass over 10 pounds, that uh, um, essentially their DNR will come and pick it up so they can breed it in captivity, hmm. get those genetics. And, and then they talk about the, the giant largemouth in Japan. Wow. Which in Japan right now, that's actually tied for the world record largemouth, so. And, and what is the name of that book again? Sow Belly. Sow Belly, all right. I actually carry copies of it and I give it to people. I'll give it to guide clients um, who are into bass fishing and then I just tell them to give it to somebody else when they're done. Nice. And and the four agreements is the other one? Yeah. Okay. I have got to... That, I'm curious about that one. I, I would highly recommend it. It's just a great reflection on life. Ooh. I could use that. We're wrapping up the Fast Five with Jason Durham. Uh, again, Jason, anybody who wants to get out on the water here in the next few weeks before it freezes up, uh, what do we need to have in the boat besides lots of warm clothing? You're... PFD for sure. Yeah, well, yes, yes, I mean, yes, yes. You fall, you fall in this water. I'm, so I'm oh. looking at the depth finder right now, and it says we're at 45. So we're not that far away from ice up. But you fall into 45 degree water. You cannot swim very far at all. Hypothermia sets in so incredibly fast. Well, I believe that. So we want to make sure that everybody's safe out on the water. Bring some hand warmers. That always helps a lot. Um, other than that, bring some big minnows. Big minnows. You're going to get big minnows. You're going to get bit. Okay. Uh, and, and then they're basically hanging out where? Warmest water they can find? Nah, just, it depends on the lake, but they're going to be around food, yeah. just like you and I. We don't gravitate very <laughs> far from it. You find, you find some bait fish, there's a good chance you're going to have some bigger fish around it. All right. He is one of our favorites, man, myth, legend of Go Fish Guide Service, Jason Durham. Jason, great to have you on the show as always. Thank you for being here. Kev, thanks so much. I, I always enjoy our time together. I would say that the listeners of Paul Bunyan Country are the smartest people on earth.